Get about the curveball with you. Give him a heater. This is the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And uh, getting closer to blast from the past uh, at this point, uh, uh, as they say, life happens uh, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and it's uh, good to have uh, some folks back on the mend uh, and uh, back up in Adam. Glad to see it uh, uh, back and, and good stuff within it. And uh, after this weekend, we'll get you uh, get that stomach fully uh, ready to go with the, with a true turducken. Uh, to christen you back to 100% health, so I'm excited about that. Thank you for the offer. Yes, it's been uh, too long, Mr. the Heater podcast here, but yes, I spent some time in the hospital, but we're back. It's been too long. We missed out on the playoffs, but we will recap what everybody missed, and yeah, Thanksgiving's coming. One of these missing uh, uh, in this way of being able to talk about it, but uh, even from uh, hospital rooms, uh, baseball playoffs were in full swing. Priorities are, are still there. Uh, and uh, a chance to, uh, it was an interesting uh, uh, playoffs. I think it was fun along the way, uh, a non-traditional year. Uh, it wasn't like your big teams in with them. A lot of those teams exited in the first round, uh, and the uh, teams that uh, went on a heater uh, at the end uh, were the ones that, that made it to the, to the top. The whole point goes back to as you're, and I think this is encouraged teams, so let me ask you this for an actual question versus just commenting on it. Did this postseason lead more into believe more teams to buy into trying to make it to the playoffs? Uh, did what you see happen within this state? The whole point is just uh, just get in and anything can happen. Does this mean there's going to be more teams uh, trying to say, hey, we're, we're going to compete this year. We're going to try to make the playoffs this year because of that very idea. I think it has to. You had two wild card teams that eventually made the World Series here, and one of them obviously won it because one of them had to. But... The and two strength. flawed teams, right? It wasn't oh, like all of a sudden like there was uh, not just from like teams that they struggled during the, the year, but then they, everything got going within it. You had a bullpen day uh, as part of uh, uh, in, the, in the playoffs or rotations within it because you didn't have uh, even four strong uh, uh, within it. So there's teams that had very clearly identifiable flaws whose strengths just outshone them. Right? So you don't need a complete team to win a World Series, and you also don't need to be the, the team that just everyone went supernova to get there either. These were teams with clear flaws. Uh, one was like starting pitching, uh, the other was inexperience, and just maybe not enough depth within it, but both made it to the World Series, and that was a competitive series still. You're not going to find it. Like, if you're talking about the most perfect team, I think it was probably the Braves. I think we both agreed that they were the best team most of the year. We both thought they'd probably win it, and... That's when cold. It happens. Even superstars galore. They go cold. You hit some good pitching. They got beat right away. And, yeah, I'm, before the season started, or before the playoffs started, I thought the Bruins were probably going to beat the Diamondbacks in a three-game series. And they didn't. And then the Diamondbacks just kept winning series. And eventually got them all the way to the World Series. And, like you said, the, the Rangers, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I think the Rangers are a better team. And they all played the Diamondbacks pretty handily. And, Congratulations to the Rangers, but hey, congratulations to the Diamondbacks. Also, the Diamondbacks get a first-round pick. They played their rookie all year. They get an extra first-round pick, so it's big-time year for the Diamondbacks, too. Well, and both uh, 
different organizational philosophies to get to the final uh, the final match, right? Uh, Texas, big spenders, right? They've been trying for a couple of years to do that, and, and when one signing didn't work, just sign another one. Uh, and maybe that happens again this offseason. Uh, that'll be part of our offseason talk here with Bennett. But the, uh, they spent over half a billion dollars on uh, the left side of their infield, uh, and those guys, uh, uh, or middle, I should say, middle infield within it, uh, and they performed uh, like they got their money's worth, right? So the idea of, like, if you're trying to say that this is where Scott Boris would uh, clap his hands and say, exactly, this is what you should be doing, uh, and if uh, uh, if Justin Verlander didn't work out, then do Jacob DeGrom. Or if Jacob DeGrom didn't work out, then do Justin Verlander. They, just, they keep throwing the checks at it. They got a ring out of it. Uh, and so you can justify it uh, that way if some want to do within it. But Arizona was a building your team. This is development. Yeah, right? This is a full-on uh, small market development and making their way there. Corbin Carroll, the shining star of that uh, development within, who's going to be a star for many, many years. Uh, I think what I like the most about it is you have two different ways of, of team building. Both got you to the final game. There's a whole lot of ways to get there. Uh, and then, like I said, once you're there, once you make the playoffs, once you're in those final six, seven teams from each division, one of them's going to go on. It, we can sit and say it's mostly likely going to be the Dodgers, the Braves, the high-spending teams, but baseball's fun. There's a reason that we like this game so much because in a, in a three-game series, and a five-game series, even in a seven-game series, anything can happen. And we saw it. And These it playoffs, playoffs proved it. It was Absolutely. a great I, Like I said, I watched a lot of it from my... Hospital bed, the nurses would come in and be like, oh, watching baseball again. I'm like, yep, I just watch every game because there's not a lot to do in here. But, but yeah, it was, uh, it was enjoyable. So I got to watch. I've watched more of it probably than I would have watched if I was healthy because I had been doing other things. So, yeah, uh, in between naps. <laughs> so before we get into uh, the, the full transition to off-season thoughts, even with the World Series teams, I did not forget. I just gave us a chance to talk about those things uh, within as part of the uh, commentary on, on baseball postseason. But as always... The Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games, movies of choice, and off-season entertainment, come hungry, leave happy. It is the off-season for the popcorn wagon as well, but that does not mean you can't get your popcorn fix. That's true. So we have been doing some holiday shows. Uh, Those are done for 2023. We are not going to do one more. We talked about maybe doing one more. That is not going to happen. But... We are going to do a Popcorn Palooza times three. This will be year three of the Popcorn Palooza, December 8th and 9th. Uh, place your order online through Facebook. Check the River Creek Popcorn website. We're taking orders until December 3rd, which is, I believe, a Monday, I think. But we'll have the regular buttered popcorn. We'll have the cheese corn, the caramel, the overload, and the crunch for our popcorns. You can buy unpopped kernels. We're going to sell those in quart-sized bags. People have requested in the past, like, what do you do? Like, what's so much better about your popcorn? So we're going to sell the unpopped kernels. They also make a great, like, stocking stuffer. Like, they're really small. You can fit that in there. And then we'll sell both the pint of uh, maple syrup, the quart of maple syrup, the little bears of honey, and the three-pound bears of honey. All the prices for that stuff is online. Just reply to the comment on the Facebook page. We will get back to you within a couple hours, hopefully, with the number, and then you just pull up to my house on December 8th and 9th, and we will bring it out to your car. Pretty pretty easy. So, yes, if you're interested, Popcorn Palooza 3.0. Popcorn Palooza 3.0. Hit up the Facebook page. Place your orders now. Great stocking stuffers. Otherwise, just enjoyable for yourself. And this will be your last chance for the, the calendar year. 23 calendar year. We will be back sometime in... 
probably February we'll probably do something, whether it be a craft show or whatever. You just have to keep listening to the Heater Podcast in the offseason. We'll keep you updated. Uh, so not only uh, uh, Popcorn Palooza 3.0, this might, we might start getting into now that this is what you call music uh, with it, and we'll see if we can keep getting that number up there uh, with it. It's up to like 75 at this point, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh. Well, let's talk uh, uh, World Series teams. Obviously, we, what uh, led to the final game and how the results of that were there and how each team got there, but how do they get back? Uh, what is one thing you would like to see uh, each team do in order to uh, return to this level of, of contention uh, in, in 2024, you have the challenge of both the high volatility, right? It, it worked in their favor now, but that makes it that much harder to sustain that in, in a future year. Luck, everything went their way. Uh, everything clicked together. Now that these weren't talented teams, they're deserving within it, but everything broke this way in ways that no one thought how this would uh, would shake out makes it that much harder to come back the following year. So how do they do that? There's more of an impetus. You can't just say, uh, run it back. Uh, you need something else here for each of these teams because of the clear flaws that are there. So what uh, what would be one thing you would do for each team to to, uh, to make it back to this level? Let's start with the Diamondbacks. They finished second here. You mentioned the young offensive talent. I think pretty much just kind of roll back with that, maybe make some additions on the margins. But you have your star could tell Marte looked pretty much back to the star he was a couple of years ago, maybe not to the level of Corbin Carroll, but a very good player, Christian Walker. I think he just kind of roll with the offense, maybe add Jordan Waller, young shortstop prospect, into the offense, another top-ten prospect. Going there. back into the, the development well. Mm-hmm. But I think their their flaw is, you mentioned it, they used a bullpen game, and not, not to knock bullpen games, but you're in the World Series, you'd like to think you have at least four starting pitchers that you can rely on to eat innings for you. They have Zach Allen. I think he finished second in Cy Young voting, so great year, absolutely, for Zach Allen. And you can rely on him. Errol Kelly's getting up there in age, but shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. He eats innings for you. And after a rough start where all the nut questions were, is Brandon Fott really any good? Is Brandon Fott really any good? Guess what? The last month of the season, Brandon Fott proved, like, he's going to be really good at this game. He looked awesome in the playoffs. I think you feel pretty good about those three, but you need to add another starting pitcher. Uh, I think the names that we've... Before we started talking, we talked a lot about we both like Jordan Montgomery eating innings for a team. I think he'd be a fantastic for a team like them. I think they're going to talk to some pretty highly regarded free agents. I don't know if they're going to be able to bring in, like, a Yamamoto. I think they will try to talk to him. But I think you just need someone who can go in there consistently eat innings for you. And then and you, you stretch the, line, the rotation a little longer. They do have other pitching prospects, too. I know some of them uh, we saw, like, Trey Jamison at times like so maybe he can be the fifth starter, but you need one more reliable starter if, if I'm the Diamondbacks to try to get back to this. I would agree with that. I think that's the uh, the best addition is going to be that uh, uh, that starting pitcher that just lengthens everything, that puts less pressure on Gallon. Uh, uh, same thing with your uh, continued development, Brandon Fott. Uh, Merrill Kelly can can do his thing without over uh, over needing him. Uh, so one more. Uh, Pitcher seems to really uh, put everyone in good roles without overextending. I think that's the number one thing there uh, with them. They could still try to be aggressive with uh, with another bat. Uh, you can see it like because you always have the DH spot available, right? So it gives you more flexibility for things. Uh, but I think if they did anything, they'd be looking. They'd be targeting one more veteran pitcher to help out that that rotation. Uh, what about Texas? Texas is a fascinating team. They are amazingly good. You mentioned it. Seager and Simeon, actually worth every penny they gave him. They are both absolute stars. Adolis Garcia is an absolute star, and he showed out every bit in the playoffs. It was actually kind of reminded me of 
years ago when your team made it and Randy Rosarena got hot. First off, yep. they always remind me of each other. They, uh, they, they both on the Cardinals at one point, but yep. they also play like each other. But Josh Young looked great, Nate Lowe, and then here's the thing. So compliments to him also for, like, we talk about the big money spends, but through player development, good. Josh Young uh, within it, uh, getting a... Uh, uh, Nate Lowe, they got more out of him and were able to help to f- finish his development that the Rays were not able to do with him or confident that they could do. Uh, and then Evan Carter. I was say, and then the breakout maybe was the development of Evan Carter. And they have another like star outfielder. Wyatt Langford got drafted just last year. Yes. And I think there's a legitimate chance Wyatt Langford starts the year next year for this team. So, yes, they've spent a lot of money. They also are developing offense. I don't think at this point you just trust the offense. It is... It's not the best in the game. It is right up there, and it was all year. The pitching, it was great in the postseason. We just mentioned, I don't know if they're going to keep Jordan Montgomery or some of those cheaper options, but you're going to trust Evaldi. Scherzer maybe isn't the Scherzer of old, but he's still a pitcher that you trust to go. Uh, John Gray, I hope, you don't know what you're getting out of Andrew Heaney. Sometimes I would assume Jacob DeGrom is going to pitch at some point this year, but so I don't know if I see him. I think they would love to keep Jordan Montgomery. I think that would be... A1, but I think the biggest spot here is as a relief pitcher. I think I think this team, it went in the gut. The, the, worst, kept, the worst kept secret for what everyone says is likely. Yeah, I, I, Jose Leclerc pitched fine in the playoffs. They got some good pitchers out of Josh Boers and Jose Leclerc, but I think this is a very likely destination. I think they're going to throw a lot of money at Josh Hader. We'll talk about him in a little bit, and it would just make this team uh, even better. When I, all I had written down for one thing is one word hater. That's all. That's all that I put. That's all I put down there with them because everyone expects it. I think it will shock everyone if he doesn't go here. Uh, I think where the other teams that he would go to that would even who would spend not, that level of money because you're, you're yep. talking uh, at minimum eighty million dollars, if not hitting to, to triple uh, triple digits, right? Yeah, there's not, and a lot of you mentioned but relief pitchers are so tough because you only get them for a couple innings, so you need them to be great. So we saw it. And just last year, a fluke injury to, like, Edwin Diaz, who was the biggest free agent contract we'd ever saw, suddenly he's out for a year, and then you miss an entire season out of him. He got, I think, five years, 100, just over 100 million. Five, okay. 105. So beyond the Rangers, I don't know who's, are the Phillies willing to do that. That's the only other team that consistently plays up for elite pitchers. But I, I don't, think after they spent on keeping NOLA. Yeah, and as I say, we, we just learned today they already spent up on NOLA. I know that they have a lot of money, but it's... It seems like this is a very likely situation where Josh Hader will be with a member of the Rangers and it could be even a better team. So as we look at the offseason, and we're now into free agency, we just mentioned that uh, it was a re-signing, but uh, uh, Aaron Nola re-signs with the, the, uh, the Phillies for uh, seven years, 170. I think it was 170-something. 173? Maybe it, it was enough where it was, it was just under $25 million, uh, average annual value, right? Uh, and... Uh, is, there was talk that he turned down more money, uh, which is crazy to me. Uh, but uh, I think the Phillies were maybe he would have gotten more average annual value, I think, somewhere. But the Phillies tacked on more years to get the overall total up where it needed to be. He wanted to stay, uh, and they were able to find a way to make it work. So uh, uh, congrats to both of them for getting what you wanted. Uh, despite all his challenges with him of not always producing the numbers that you'd think versus what the arm talent is, uh, he produces innings, uh, which is hard to find anymore in today's game. Uh, and they know what they have in him. Uh, so I, I, I like that as an excellent re-signing. But that gets us into the, the free agency with them, how we're going to start 
uh, looking at is we're going to start with five big questions as a way to kick off uh, our free agency focus. Uh, we have five big questions on, on free agents, and we'll get into questions for uh, also for teams uh, and hit up the, the the bargain bin. Who we think if you're looking at a and, and it ain't big a bargain says what it used to be. Uh, this isn't your 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 your, uh, uh, your dad's uh, bargain bin uh, the way baseball was before. Prices have gone up. Inflation hits everything. Uh, it's hitting these free agent prices as well. And you can't talk about free agency as much as. Is already there. Everyone talks about it, but you can't talk about free agency without talking about Shohei Otani. Uh, we have not had a free agent at this level, this unique of a free agent, who's truly, truly free. Uh, and so this is uh, uh, one of the more unique opportunities. Alex Rodriguez? That was the name the that last? I thought of, too. It was, uh, it was Alex Rodriguez, where... I remember when young he got enough. that 10-year, 250, something like that contract, and it was just so much... More than we'd seen. I guess Alex Rodriguez, and then Pujols was about this age when he had free agency, I think, when he went yeah. to the Angels. Of course, the difference is they didn't pitch. Now, Otani probably won't pitch this season, but that that's what always has made him the unicorn in this situation. But as far as, you know, almost resetting the market, I mean, we've seen huge contract. Corey Seager got a huge contract two years ago, right? And you know, I said, maybe he paid it off because they won a World Series. But it won't. This will be the biggest contract we've ever seen. I don't think there's really any denying I was, that. I was just getting ready to say, what's the largest contract to this point was the Mike Trout contract, right? And that wasn't even a true free agent. It was, a, it was an extension. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, was that 430? Uh, that was the, the the largest number. It may not be the largest average annual value, but the largest total contract. It was four, is, am I, am 426. Right? So 12 years, 426. Mookie Betts, 12 years, 365. Aaron Judge last year got nine years, 360. So those are the most total value. The largest annual salary is Aaron Judge got his 40 million, and then DeGrom got 37 million. Garrett Cole gets 36 million, and Mike Trout gets 35. And, oh, here's one. Anthony Rendon is pulling in 35 million a year. Yeah. So there's we'll a couple we'll of uh, that one later caution too. stories on there, but Shohei, because of his ability to do both, despite the injury. People feel the most confident in putting this money there uh, to that. Despite this type of, this level of contract, it feels safer, which is crazy to say. And anything can happen. And the question always is, it feels safe now. And I say first half of it, you feel safe. Five years of this contract, you like. Uh, it, it's getting into the second half of that contract, which it always is. But at this level of price, it's the challenge of it. But no one's thinking that right now. That's tomorrow's problem for today's solution. Uh, are we confident uh, that uh, he surpasses that 426 uh, and and becomes baseball's highest uh, contracted player? I am. I, I still think. I know I've seen speculation. Maybe ten years and 400 seems like the floor, doesn't it? It does, unless he truly wants to just take a short term. There's been some speculation. Maybe he takes a short term deal for a really high number, and then he comes back and he pitches next year for a bigger. I don't think that's going to happen. I think. Ten years, four hundred feels like a floor. I think it'll likely be more like twelve and five, five hundred, like sixty million a year. That seems possible. Uh, well, possibly, likely, even twelve and, and five puts you at uh, uh, about forty-two a season. Yeah. Uh, you start getting into forty-five, those numbers jump within it, even closer to fifty within. That could get you to six hundred. Uh, so, what uh, somewhere in there. If a team is smart, because now the, go back to the, I think Albert Pujols is an interesting one. Because that included also 
uh, player stuff afterwards. Like it's almost like a lifetime contract type thing where you become the, an ambassador for the team. Uh, and I think that could be uh, what gets other potential teams interested is that if you look at the creative way in which you can do this, and then also like you're expecting this to be at the end a Hall of Fame player that maybe by doing this contract you get your it's your team that he goes in with that uh, hat uh, as part of it uh, and the lifetime part of it. We already know that there's plenty of teams that are willing, despite the crazy number. There's no shortage of suitors even at this price point. Will he really consider? There's still rumors that he likes his anonymity. He likes uh, the low key. Uh, with an even the saying that secret visits is what's being talked about that he's going to visit places but in secret. How could you possibly pitch in New York uh, if you <laughs> if you want the secret or you don't want that pressure within it? So West Coast they say is always where the preference is, but he's open to some other potential uh, places within it. The Cubs would love to get involved. Uh, some even think if uh, if Atlanta could convince him, why do they clear out stuff there? Is this a possibility? Texas mentioned as another within us saying we would for spending it. Is he actually willing to leave the West Coast with his comfort level within it? Where do you see uh, What teams do you actually see him willing to consider? He says he's willing to consider more this time than he did the first time around, has more understanding, more like he's been here now within it, knows what he wants. He wants a winner. Uh, number one, but but he also wants that comfort level. How does that dynamic fit uh, as far as his market? You mean the guy who the guy who sits on his couch with his dog while he wins an MVP likes anonymity? Yes, I and that but but that describes it fully. That, to him, right? that that picture there says there's no way he's going to New York. Nope, I I don't. I, sure, they will they will make their pitch to show any team that can afford Shohei Otani will make their pitch to Shohei Otani. Because, like you said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime, possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sign a player like this. If I'm power-ranking the top five teams to sign Shohei Otani here, for the last year and a half, this is another one that has not been a secret. The Dodgers didn't sign anybody last year. They did not make the big move. They have been talking um, without letting it be known. They have essentially said, we were going to cut some money, but we all think it's to save money to sign Shohei Otani this year. So I still believe that is by far the most likely team. You already mentioned West Coast team. For the fact that you live in L.A., he's lived just outside of L.A. It is a, probably doesn't have to move houses. It is a, sure, it's not going to be low-key, but as far as teams go. It's not high, it's not it's high not stress. Do, it's not it's the not Dodgers. It's not the, excuse me, it's not the Yankees, right? It's not the Mets. Or it, it, so, I don't. It's I mean, very laid back. As far as being a star, you're one of four or five. Now, he's by far the biggest name, but, like, that's a star. Ray Freeman's a star. Clayton Kershaw's an icon out there. So, they would have other people to deflect from him, not that he necessarily needs that, but I still think that's the most likely. I eliminate San Francisco despite the money because he wants a winner. Uh, He doesn't want another Angels situation. It's not that they're run the same way, but they have not won in the same way, or there's concerns uh, over that within it. He wants to go to something more proven. I don't think it's San Francisco either. I don't... they, they will offer him a contract. I do believe they will offer, offer him a contract. They'd offer five without Diego will offer him a contract, too. I do not think he will go to either of those two teams. I don't think he's going back to L.A., to the Angels, uh, and the uh, Oakland's, whatever. So, among the California teams, There's only one. the Dodgers are really the only one, I think. I think second most likely is Seattle. I think Seattle will offer him a lot of money. It is the, Ichiro is still on that team. He works in the front office. That is his, that is his hero. We've seen that they want to bring in a star. 
here's the thing. Like, they have a bunch of young pitchers. They say, oh, Tani, this year you, you DH. Next year, we go to a six-man rotation. It saves a lot of innings for Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, however you want to look at it. They can, Matt uh, Bryce Miller, right? You can manage their innings and manage Shohei Otani's innings. So that's, I think that's the second most likely team for me. If there is a non-traditional team that would fit the idea of, of low-key uh, with an, what would be that team that maybe isn't talked about or with it, what would be the one you say, if it got there, if he, if he truly was willing to consider it and, and they want him over, what team would that be? Ooh, that's a tough one. I suppose if I'm thinking of truly low-key, I don't know, is, is Texas low-key? They won a World Series. Yeah, Yes, because they're they're not a market. It's not it's not a pressured market. It's not a big it's not a big uh, market. I mean, it, it, it probably I, they play in Arlington, right? So I mean, it's a huge area, but it's a football state, right? It's a football yeah. state. Friday yeah. nights you watch football in Texas, and they've, they've already said, right? They are going to throw money. They will. They have proven now they will spend money and they will bring in stars if they fit what they want. Well, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon are hitters. They, nobody's going to accuse Corey Seager of being a fantastic defender because he's not. Marcus Simeon is a fine defender. He's nothing special. Trey Otani's a DH, but he's the best one. And you mentioned that we were talking about their teams. Their DH, I believe, for most of the playoffs, is Mitch Carver. He's a free agent. So it's not that they don't have people to fill in, but I, I could see that. They've, they've proven that they don't really care about injury risks, right? Not that oh, I don't know, consider – I mean, he is an injury risk because he does both, but this team is paying Jacob DeGrom a ton of money, and he's not pitching for them. So I think – Texas is the team that is the third most likely and the one that isn't a massive market. I'll say I would agree with that. I think if I'm picking something that is, you have a history and tradition that is nice. Uh, overall, uh, an organizational uh, consistent winner as far as uh, winning seasons uh, going back decades, you have, you have a long stretch within it. And they have structured contracts and done things well where if they truly wanted to add the big contract, Atlanta Braves. Uh, I, I still think this isn't their t- They like the team-friendly deals and allows it within it. This still does not feel fully them. And if they're going to spend, it feels like they're going to spend on, on pitching. Uh, and, th- and this does not solve pitching for this year which, with this year's need. But... You you are at a financial spot in your budget where you could, and it's a unique opportunity. If they wanted to go that way, I think there's also that tradition and things there. Uh, and he's one guy of many stars. It's, it's, it's the Dodger equivalent, right? Uh, so if he wanted to consider a different place, that's still pretty chill. That's not going to be high stress. Uh, the fans have fun interacting with everything that goes there. I could see it. Uh, I could see it. I don't. I don't know if I consider it likely. I would but agree There's with two that. more teams that I would... Uh, I agree that there's a chance with the Braves. The other two teams I think there's a chance with... I'm not going to mention the Mets or the Yankees. I honestly don't think he will pitch for either or play for either of those two teams. I do think Boston is in consideration here. I think Boston is willing to he's spend money... He's expressed an affinity for, for Fenway Park and the tradition. And he said some, that he likes Boston. As far as East Coast teams, I put that one as the most likely. I put them even ahead of... If you consider the Braves at East Coast. I put them ahead of that... That's such a high-pressure market. That's, that's the only thing where it is. I, they, I mean, they they give their guys size more benefit leeway, of the doubt. Right? You get a little leeway if you're not off to a hot start. Remember, Justin Turner started cold, then he picked it up, and the, the team 
bought in, uh, but it. <laughs> I don't want to say that I don't think he would play well there because I do. I, I mean, I think he would absolutely. I think he, we've seen how much opposite field power he has. It's another point, but he could probably hit 50 home runs. I wouldn't be all that surprised if he did that there. But with all of his talk of biking the other coast of the United States, the Pacific coast, it just seems like it's a long way away. It is a tough market. I don't know if it's the best fit for him, but I could see that team. I kind of put the odds at uh, Dodgers 75%, yep. Seattle 20%, 5% other. The other team that we should that is the Cubs. I think that's a, I think that's a possibility among the other teams. I also agree that it is the Dodgers far and away. Then I would put it Seattle, and then, like you said, the others where there's maybe four or five teams here. The Cubs, where he just fell in love with one, is that I yes. want to make this happen. Yes. Exactly. He goes and takes a visit, like you said, and he said, well, this one is, feels right. He, I think he's the type of guy that would do that. Like, I'm not sure. I, I do, yeah, too. You're gonna get, he's going to get 400-plus million, I think, no matter one of these teams he goes to, so money isn't going to really matter. He'll have more money than he's ever going to need. But I don't think – see, the Cubs, the Cubs to me are tough because – we, it is a very, you know, we live in the Midwest, but the, the Midwest is, it's not a coast. It's not a big, I mean, Chicago is a big market, but it's not Los Angeles. It's, it's a team, it's a city that's divided by two different fan bases. And whereas I think, once again, I'm sure he'd have success in Chicago. I, it just doesn't they would have to se- fit. They would have to sell him on the plan of, of him plus what else they're doing this, uh, right. this offseason. We've right? already brought in Craig Council, right? We already yep. said we spent, look, we already spent money on the most money ever on a manager. We're, we're devoted to this rebuild. We have all these young talent coming. You're going to be the leader of it. You and we have Seiya Suzuki here. Like, we have these two Asian guys. Dansby Swanson we brought in last year. This is our plan going forward. Here's who else we're planning on targeting this offseason like, in free agents who we're still going to be active with. X, Y, Z. Because you can't, right now they can't argue, I mean, they have not been a winner for a while here, right? Because we just right. said he wants to win games. I mean, that, that's why you mentioned the Dodgers and the Braves, and they do that. Texas just won the World Series. I think he's going to put conditions on this contract, Reagan, because he's in a position to do so. Uh, I think an opt-out after three years, if not two, uh, and a no-trade clause. He right. wants control completely over his... Uh, his process, but it could be after uh, an opt-out after three, an opt-out after five. I could see him adding in things where he is getting control. He's going to at least give two years wherever he goes, but there will be an opt-out after year two or year three and a no-trade clause. Uh, and he's earned every bit of that. <laughs> and, and if you don't give it to him, another team will. So that's what makes it where he is going to have the, the pristine uh, uh, contract that gives him ultimate flexibility and control. He doesn't want to be stuck with the team for so many years that they are inept, can't win, dysfunctional. Uh, it gives him protection over that, and they can't say, well, now we've overspent here. Now we need to offload his contract, uh, not without his approval. Uh, so I think that's what we're going to see within it. I think we're in agreement, 75% Dodgers, 20% Seattle, and there's a, a case to be made for different teams in that 5% category, and here's the parameters that are going to be there. Uh, we'll see what happens there within it. But we have another uh, international sensation, uh, this time, first time crossing over uh, within it. And people watched again in the uh, uh, Japanese World Series, uh, their portion within it. Uh, he looked uh, uh, every bit the next stud. And with the, uh, after uh, Kode Senga, uh, and it always takes a bit, a bit of adjustment, but he did. Uh, and he put an excellent season for the New York Mets. 
uh, Yamamoto uh, is the next on the line. And it, what's interesting is the only person that's looking to, that have, has gotten more money from a pitcher standpoint would have been Garrett Cole. Uh, talks are at 225 mil uh, on like a seven-year deal uh, uh, for Yamamoto. Uh, thoughts on the hype, uh, on the contract expectations, uh, and likely market? So I have seen Yamamoto actually pitch one time. I, I mean, I've watched clips of it, but I've actually watched him pitch one time, and I believe he went all nine innings that game and struck out 17. Uh, he has won the last three uh, ERA titles and strikeout titles and their version of the Cy Young Award. And Kodai Senga was fantastic. The difference is that Yamamoto is 25. Yes. So you're talking about a guy who maybe would just be getting called up or maybe be up for a year or two. Senga was great, but I think Senga is 30. So you're leaving five more years out of Yamamoto. It's going to be a big contract. This is probably going to be the largest Asian contract I think we've ever seen. Like, even when Otani came over, he did not get a massive contract to begin with. He was too young. He was too young, right? And they just and this was a guy who we didn't know how the, the two-way thing would work. Now, it turns out, you know, he's great at both. But but Yamamoto, the only knock is the height, right? He's like 5'10", maybe 170 pounds. He's a little guy. But beyond that, you watch it, it is, as you usually come to expect, it's a hard fastball. It is a wicked splitter, which is what the Japanese pitchers tend to have. Is a big splitter. He has a huge splitter. And any team that's pitching needy is going to be spending money here. So this one is where I think you're going to see both your your New York teams involved. I think both the New York teams are going to spend it. They'll spend on Senga. The Mets will do that. I think they will offer a contract to Yamamoto. The Yankees desperately need pitching. I think they will offer a contract to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, I think the Cardinals should be involved in this. I think the Cardinals have plenty of money to spend, and their pitching is abysmal with what they have left on it. I don't know if they'll be able to convince them to come here. That. I do not, I've never heard him in an interview. I do not know if he has, I, I've heard that he, ha, once again, isn't a guy who has an affinity for the bigger markets from what we've heard here. He wants a bigger market, which St. Louis is not. But I think the idea of a, what was the contract we said DeGrom got? 250? DeGrom had a very large, or no, his was like three years, 120 million, right? 40 yep. million a year was not as long. So I don't know if he'll get 40 million a year, but I think that he could easily eclipse 30 million a year here as a very first contract. Yeah, and so you're saying seven two twenty five. That's uh, at about thirty point five, thirty one, thirty two, right in that range. Uh, and so that that gets you there. Uh, and is it, for a guy who hasn't pitched one inning in Major League Baseball, that's always crazy to me. But uh, we've seen others come and do that and do that very, very well. Uh, he fits right in, in that line. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what what happens or, or where he goes. I, I think New York is a likely. Uh, a scenario here. This is where I will say, because they need someone to take the money. Uh, San Francisco uh, will be big players, at least as far as dollar-wise uh, within it. Uh, and you can appreciate their aggressiveness. They have, they've won championships. People forget uh, within it. Like, and not that long ago uh, here. So they have a team that's trying to build with it, and they're willing to spend. Uh, and they could convince them that we're not done spending just with you. Uh, and that would finally help push things in that direction. I think Atlanta still would want to, but they're not the market. Uh, uh, but I, I think New York feels likely here. Uh, and in fact, honestly, I would say, I think as much as pinstripes can be intriguing to someone, I think Mets with, with the success from the previous year, it's a way to double down on that and already have a comfort level from someone on the same rotation as part of how the adjustment goes and the challenges within it. Not that he's not wanting to do his own thing, but my money's still on the Mets here. Yeah, 
I think that's probably the most likely. I would then, yeah, the Yankees. The team that's actually pitching with Garrett Cole has got to be intriguing. I'll, 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 I'll say that. The, the team, and I mean, it's the history, right? Not that the yes. don't have it too. Yes. But, uh, the team that actually has come up a couple times and been mentioned, which interesting to me, is Detroit. There's been some speculation that Detroit is interested in Yamamoto. They have money. They have money. They have a, I mean, we talked about them for a while. They looked like the team that was going to be the next Orioles where they were going to rebuild and this was all going to turn out and it, it hasn't. But Yamamoto's, I mean, in that young time frame that they were looking for, but, and if you know, Javier Baez opted in, shockingly, but otherwise they could, we've seen them spend money before. So we'll see that. That would be kind of a fun one. It's kind of out of left field, but yeah, still think it's going to be a New York play for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. The uh, negotiations are set to start Tuesday, uh, so it opens up. Does he get 30 days or 45? I forget how long you get. 30 days, right? So we'll know before Christmas. On this one, yeah. Uh, so we move into the uh, uh, stay on the pitching side. Uh, uh, Blake Snell picked a great time to uh, win a, a Cy Young uh, and puts him in rarefied air. Uh, this is not, not for being the second Cy Young that he's won before the age of 30. Uh, so... But also, one of like there's like five people that have won a Cy Young in each league, and the other ones that are in that list are all like top ten of all time, uh, a level within, or at least that consideration uh, within it. And then you have the curious case of Blake Snell. Uh, first time he won it, he was he was good. It was a it was a career year. This was a heater. It clicked, and then he just went off on the right year. Uh, the competition wasn't necessarily solid guys, but they all had different reasons for not. He checked off enough boxes, and that's not to discount or discredit the, the Cy Young Award, uh, but how does that help? When it, Again, we'll talk Cy Young, but we'll talk within the context of a free agency. How do you properly value a guy who, in the two years before this year, couldn't crack like 120 innings? Uh, and is one of the most like a Robbie Ray esque maddening to watch. If you, your your team, you'll be happy that he signed him, but you will like the the numbers, but you won't want to watch him pitch. I would not. I would not buy a ticket to watch Blake Snell pitch. I may want him on the team overall within it, but I couldn't stand watching him. And that's the Rays have done it. The Padres have done it. Yes, fans on both teams. Uh, and yet he has two Cy Youngs to his name. How do you put this in context of what uh, what will he get in free agency? It is it is a fascinating Blake Snell is a fascinating case. You mentioned the two Cy Youngs. I pulled up the list. Caleb Perry's a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame, but isn't. But we'd all consider him one of the best 15 pitchers of all time. Randy Johnson is absolutely in the top 10 of all time. Pedro Martinez, Roy Halladay, rest in peace there, but a great pitcher in his own right, and Max Scherzer will join the Hall of Fame. And then it is Blake Snell. And you're right. We've seen... There's been good years, there's been good years, there's been bad years, and there's now been two fantastic seasons. Uh, five, six years apart, 2018, I believe, is when he won the Cy Young Award with the Rays. That was a, like a two ERA, I believe, sub, maybe even a sub two ERA. Fantastic year. And then there's been, like I said, a lot more downs than ups. I'm not going to have children this. There's been more downs than ups in his San Diego career. And then... The, the nickname best four and two-thirds pitcher right. out there. Exactly. Because... He struggled, and this year it wasn't count. like it wasn't different. He led the national. He led the baseball in walks. He walked 99 batters this year. Now he led baseball in hits per nine because his stuff is ridiculous. He has great no stuff. one's ever doubted it. His stuff is ridiculous. It is extremely hard to square up, but he's kind of flaky. 
he's unpredictable, to say the least. And do I think that suddenly he's going to pitch to a 225 ERA again? He can in stretches, absolutely. But we've seen too many stretches where he's pitching to a 4-5 ERA. And like you said, you don't get innings. This year he pitched 180 innings. That is only the second time he's ever broke 130. And both times he's broke the Cy Young, won the Cy Young award, right? So I will predict that in a five-year contract, you will get one year that's this. I, I'm, okay. will, I'm willing to say that. If one of those years of the five, you will get this. The question is what you're getting in the other four. And what do you want to pay for that? So here's my, Okay, let's just ask it this way. San Diego's had him for three seasons. Do you think they were generally happy? He got one. He got one. The other two seasons, he was one game above 500 and two games below 500. Would you consider that a success? I get the, dy- the, the dynamics of uh, the dysfunction of everything there where that win-loss record isn't a uh, team stat yeah, more, sure. more than individual, but he was frustrating to watch. He couldn't give you innings. He didn't put you in a position to succeed. He then made your bullpen do more. He got things that you needed more out of other starting pitchers within the inconsistency uh, that would happen there. The full package is the question. Uh, do you want to pay $35 million to $30, $35 million a year for that? He's as likely as anyone to strike out 230 batters. He's also as likely as anyone to walk 100 batters. That That is the full Blake Snell experience. This is who he is. That is who he is. So, look, am I forking over a bunch, like the Garrett Cole contract to play Snell? There's absolutely no chance. I know that he now has one more side on the way than Garrett Cole, which is mind-boggling to me. But, and very cool, congratulations on winning your first one. You, have, yes. you should have at least two by now, but congratulations on your first one. But, it is, someone is going to give Billy Snell a contract, 100%. Someone will give him a 100-plus million dollar contract. Yeah, that will getting, happen this offseason. He's getting uh, uh, nine figures. Yes, he will. I think that it is, just like I said, the high Like These really highly volatile players are so hard to bank on, and you can get good but eventually, it, it just falls apart. Blake Snell's going to be 31 by the time the next season starts. So you give him a five-year, let's say, $115 million deal. By the time he's done, he's 36. Maybe the 97 is 95. So then he starts to become more hittable, and he's still probably kind of wild. I don't know. Someone's going to give it to him. I would not. I, I don't think it's going to be my team. So I would not want it to be my team because I just don't trust that he'll give you five. Like you said, you probably get one. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's three years down the road. Maybe he's 33 and he still has another great year. But, yeah, I, not for me. Who do you think, though? St. Louis. And Louis. As a Brewers fan, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Seriously. I, that's the, like, you desperately need pitching, and you're going to go to the guy that's the most inconsistent option out there. I would spend money on two pitchers with less stuff but better consistency would be overall better for your team. They are so desperate to do it. Uh, they, are, they are one of the hands-down uh, hands favorites uh, with anyone else that you say gets to that level. I think that I think St. Louis desperately wanted to have a chance to sign Aaron Nola. I think that's the one they really wanted. And Aaron Nola also has an up-and-down thing in his career. But like you said, I like trust that so much more than I trust Blake Snell. Uh, Blake Snell, St. Louis, the Mets. Once again, this is another team. Like, say, say Yamamoto signs elsewhere. I could see them signing Blake Snell. Returning to the Padres, they they need pitching. If they can, we'll talk about some of their trade things here because they're going to need to find some money. But I could see him going back to the Padres. I actually don't see the Yankees signing Blake Snell. I don't think that 
I don't think they're going to do that. I think they want Yamamoto, and if nothing else, they're going to talk about some of their players. But uh, I, I think it's St. Louis, the Mets, or back to the Padres. Let's go to another interesting case. We'll, we'll switch to a hitter uh, who also has MVP in his background uh, and now did just not. He looks uh, closer to his original self for the first time in years, Cody Bellinger. Uh, and now is looking also at a nine-figure contract. But it's the same principles apply, right? How, how confident are you in his health? How confident are you in his ability to be this level? He's still not MVP level. He's, he's above average. He's very good. Uh, and in a market where it is desperate to find hitting, uh, the, there is strength in starting pitching in this free agent class. There is a dearth of offensive bats available uh, within it, and outfielders for that matter, as across the board. But here's a guy who can play uh, good defense, can get you in the, can play every outfield position, right? Uh, age is still young. He's still only going to be, be 28 next season. So that's the crazy part. And all this is now like he's 31 even within he's 28. Uh, the flaws are there. The talent is there. Uh, Seven-year, $175 million contract, uh, $6,150. Like you're looking at something along those lines. Who do you think gives it to him, and how concerned are you at giving that type of contract to what his checkered history is? The one-year deal, we, we said it in the offseason, the one-year deal the Cubs gave him was worth it. And congratulations to the Cubs. They rolled, they got, they hit 11, they, they hit craps, whatever you want to say. It turned out great for him because... Cody Bellinger, yeah, he wasn't the MVP. Remember, this guy had an MVP award when he was 23 years old. He looked like the next star. And then for three seasons, okay, first it was 2020, it was, oh, it's the short year, it's a weird, which, there was, but Jose Altuve was terrible, I think, in 2020. And guess what? It was the short year. But over the last three seasons, over 1,000 at-bats with the Dodgers, he hit 203. Not a short sample anymore. Like, he hit 203 with a 272 on base percentage. And then last year, 26 home runs, 97 ribbies, 20 steals. He hit 307 with the Cubs. Congratulations to the Cubs. I'm getting, I think they signed him to 18 million, I think. That's a, that's well paid that back. But now if I'm the Cubs, am I saying, okay, now we see it, Cody, here's seven years, 175 million? Now, I don't think so. I wouldn't want to do that. But someone's going to. Now here is where I think the Yankees are interested again. This is the one that I They totally love their eventual brittle, yep. broken-down outfielders. 100% they do. Uh, and they... Is all, another reason why I don't think uh, Yamamoto ends up in, in New York. Uh, uh, within it, the same agent for uh, for uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who the GM uh, uh, openly ripped his own player under contract for his habitual... Uh, that, uh, that being injured was part of his uh, talent level. I'm very curious about uh, the state of, of pinstripe baseball because there seems to be things that are done there that don't fit their tradition and history and professionalism that they ask for within it that I, I no one likes to be publicly called out uh, within it, uh, but I don't see how you make those type of public statements. You're going to say it on your own after a scotch or two as you're lamenting uh, Giancarlo Stanton making his next uh, a vacation plan as he's off mid-year again as, as every other year within it, but you don't say it publicly. 
Uh, so I, I think that's going to impact some people there, but it, it could impact Yamamoto. It does not impact Bellinger because you want top dollar, and if they'll give you seven one seventy five. You're just signing the dotted line. You're looking for that check uh, within it, and whoever gives it to you, uh, you're happy to go say this is what my heart always was all along. Uh, as long as those zeros have a number attached to it with a, a one in front of it. You already mentioned the other spot that I think I think you could go back out to California, not to the Dodgers. I think this would be another spot where the Giants. Here's I will say this for Cody Which Bellinger. Which team is desperate? I will say this for Cody Bellinger. Even when he can't hit, he is a fantastic defender. Yes. And San Francisco has a massive, massive outfield, and he would be great at that. I don't know how many more, like, 2020 seasons Cody Bellinger has in him. Going out to San Francisco, I would put the number at, like, very little because it's extremely hard to hit home runs there. If you told me that you signed Cody Bellinger for $20 million a year, five years, $100 million, I'd say that's, that's great. Go for it. But I think someone's going to put, pump that number up to much closer to $30 million, like, plus maybe. And for a guy who we've said that, 1,000 at-bats, massive shoulder injuries in the past, it's it's a huge risk. And I once again, I don't want my team to be on that hook, and I don't think the Brewers will be, but San Francisco, New York. I think those are the top two. I think they're the top two. The only other one I mentioned is once I think there's a chance Seattle would do it. I'm not saying that I would. They put, they're a distant third. I think New York and San Francisco are easily the favorites in my mind for that one. We mentioned Josh Hader. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention from uh, like Texas? An obvious one. Is there anyone else that would even come close? I said maybe Philly, but they just signed Aaron Nola. I think that's probably where their money's going to go. Josh Hader's he's still one of the best few five closers in the game. Devin Williams uh, right up there. Edwin Diaz when he's healthy. Batista's hurt right now again. So I, Josh Hader, it's not really often that we see relief pitchers like this hit the free agent market. The Mets locked up Edwin Diaz. So when you have a chance to, to make a true difference at the back of your bullpen, you take advantage of it, this is the weakness of Texas. I fully expect that to be the signing. Well, let's talk about teams uh, uh, with uh, big questions uh, for that. As part of free agency, uh, there are teams not only that are looking to add, like it's a great starting pitching class, uh, but there are teams that don't want to not only just add one of them, they want to add two Uh Teams that are looking at a multiple starting pitchers. St. Louis Cardinals have been out there. They want two, if not three. Uh, and they've publicly made these comments. This isn't just surmisings. They have they've stated their search for it. Uh, San Diego uh, has three, uh, not just Blake Snell, but they're also going to lose uh, Michael Waka and Seth Lugo. Both are free agents. So three-fifths of your rotation are free agents. Uh, with it. The Yankees are pursuing multiple starting pitchers. We know of one, but they want to do multiple as well. That's at least three teams that are also very aggressive teams or have committed to saying we're going to be aggressive, let alone maybe some others that could try to do the same thing. Can everyone get what they want? Who's actually going to get the multiple starting pitchers of, of these three teams? Who actually gets the multiple? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> um... New York is the most likely, I think. They'll put money after it. You know, Yamamoto, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, Marcus Stroman later. I could totally see them being in on James Paxton because he's injured all the time, so they would love somebody like that because that's what they accumulate over there. But St. Louis just, it isn't, they have shown that they do not necessarily want to spend money. I don't, they're extremely fascinating because we've talked about, how long have we talked about St. Louis and their pitching? It is getting as long as Philadelphia and their elite pitching for a long time, right? Where, hey, guess what? They have a really good team, but they can't pitch. They have a really good team, but they can't pitch. 
I think that's why they will be aggressive uh, this year. And I think maybe not like two at the top. I think two mid-tier guys. Uh, it's like, jo- like Jordan Montgomery fits a perfect that level. That's what they're looking for. If they could get two Jordan Montgomerys, they would be elated. They would be. Uh, so I think two contracts that get over $100 million, I think that's what they end up with. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I just pulled up their rotation on last resource. It's Michael's Michaelis, who's falling off. Matt's, eh. Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor, and Drew Rahm. Like, they need this. Uh, Matthew Libertor hasn't developed. Matt's and Michaelis are getting old and not particularly effective. Zach Thompson and Drew Rahm. Drew Rahm was a throw-in for, I don't remember who they traded to Baltimore, but was a throw-in in that trade. And actually pitched okay down the stretch, but, yeah, they need it. Uh, San Diego, the two that are in your rotation now are Musgrove, who is far from a beacon of health. When he pitches, very good. You Darvish is 37 now, I think. Look, he, he's a, I don't know if he'll make it, but borderline Hall of Famer, like a fantastic pitcher in his own right, came over a little later, but you know, Darvish is the best Asian pitcher that I can think of. You know, Otani, whoever, he call him best, but at least that we've seen better than Tanaka, I think, at times. Darvish is fantastic, but he's getting up there, and last year, in the last couple of years, he's missed a substantial amount of time with health. They have a awesome uh, prospect pitcher named Robbie Snelling, who I think is at double-A only, though, 21. Even if you say, okay, we're going to trust that, that's three. So, I, if I'm San Diego, I don't I think they had a, the option on both Vogel and Waka. I do not know why they let them walk. I thought those guys were actually pretty good for them last year. If I was them, I would just try to bring them back. <laughs> but, like, do I see San Diego signing a Jordan Montgomery? No. Could they bring back, like, Snell? Yes. I said, we just mentioned St. Louis. I think that's the most likely team for Blake Snell. But, and the Yankees, the Yankees will try to get Yamamoto. And then I could see them doing the lower option thing. I said, you know, James Paxton, yep. Jordan Montgomery, I think would be fantastic for them, which they have, you know, both the Cardinals and the Yankees had Jordan Montgomery, so congratulations to you guys, you let him go. Uh, but I think that's what they would like to do. But like you said, it's not a very deep free agent class. So you're only picking from, there's a reason we keep bringing up the same few names here. It is not a big pool of players this year. Well, and uh, Sonny Gray will impact some, but he's not going back to New York, so we already know that uh, part within it. Uh, we know, I think, but there's a decent amount on trade market stuff with them. That's why I said the starting pitching is available this year. Uh, it depends. You're either paying in prospects or you're paying in dollars or you're paying in both. Uh, and, and that's going to be the interesting question. I think St. Louis does one of each. Uh, I think San Diego and New York are likely to sign maybe a, a bigger tier and then go from one of the lower tier guys, uh, within it. Uh, and we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, Teams that are looking to be aggressive, we talked about, we mentioned the Braves within it, and, uh, and we'll come back. To, well, let's start there, because I, I have it in different order for what I've written down, but it makes sense to talk about them first. Uh, so Braves uh, being reported to be, like, lurking. Like, they made a, a roster clearing like of the the fringe 25-man, 40, uh, 40-man 40 guys who have talent, but there's some injury questions within it, uh, clearing some stuff out, not a full, like, a massive salary dump, but it just clears out space, clears out a little bit of financial room. People in the industry say that feels intentional and it feels more like they're getting ready for an aggressive move. If they're lurking, lurking for who? Like what? What do you see this team doing? That uh, again, this was supposed to be their year. It didn't line up that way. Uh, pitching health is the biggest question mark. It feels like starting pitching is where they're gonna go. What, where does that lead them? Yeah, I, I, you mentioned, you know, Otani earlier, that that name has been thrown around with the Braves. It's not, 
Not that not that he won't help them. Not that they couldn't, but it doesn't feel like that's their direction. It doesn't have, like, it feels they traded for Aaron Bummer, and like you said, that kind of cleared out space. And then the, the more surprising was they tried to they traded Kyle Wright to to the Royals for Jackson Cole. That one kind of surprised me. Kyle Wright was it two years ago won twenty some games. Yeah. So and like you said, wins aren't everything, but Kyle Wright's a pretty good pitcher, I thought. So you still have Strider, Freed, and Morton, and. Even though Charlie Morton's 40, you, you trust all three of those guys. I, at least I trust Charlie Morton even at 40 years old. And then it's Bryce Elder pitched well at times this year, but it always kind of felt uh, smoking mirrorsy. And then it's just a lot of injury guys. You've had Ian Anderson, who had success a couple of years ago when they won the World Series. You've had, but is coming off TJ. You ask her, you know what? You have, you've had young pitchers. We saw some of them at times last year. You know, we saw AJ Smith-Shaver at, I think he was 19, 20 when they called him up last year and pitched fairly well. But, are we, are we going in with any of that, or are we going to bring in someone new? That's, that's the question here. You mentioned Sonny Gray. That, that seems like the type of pitcher that the Braves would like, an innings eater. Would he like that? I don't know. He seems to do better in the – not that Atlanta is not a huge market, but it's not Minnesota. It's not Oakland where he's had the most success when you saw how much he struggled in New York. I think it helps there being more small market. I think it helps uh, – being uh, one of, of other guys doesn't have to be at the top within it. They already have three. Uh, I think you're looking at a Chris Bassett last offseason type contract, which is a three-year, $60 million deal. So it, it's solid from uh, an average annual value, but it's not uh, compared to what we're talking about in free agency here. It's not as extensive of a commitment. That also puts more teams available for it. Uh, you know, St. Louis is another team that would be competing for that type of, of pitcher within it. Uh, San Diego is interesting. Uh, that fits more up there along with their older guys that they already have at the rotation within it, maybe. Uh, but I think this is the type of guy that Atlanta is looking for. And he would, like you said, he, he fits in great. He's your number four starter as opposed to being your two, three uh, for most teams. Like, if he, if Sonny Gray signs with St. Louis, he's their best pitcher, right? He's, he's your opening day starting pitcher. Here he probably pitches fourth in the rotation. That tells you how much better. Maybe third at most. Yeah, over Charlie Morton, however you want to do it. But you're not starting over Kyle or over Spencer Strider. You're not starting over Max Free. Those guys are stars. And so it's – and you're going to be on a winning team, right? And so I think Sonny Gray makes the most sense. Could I see him doing some of these other – you know, you mentioned Jordan Montgomery. We keep bringing him up. Marcus Stroman, some of that type. Sure, they, they need – they need one more pitcher, right? Could they go in with this roster and win a lot of games still? Yes. Stroman feels like a fit. Uh, that, that's another one that does feel like that that type. Tons of ground balls. Yeah, tons of ground balls. You got Austin Riley at third. He's Good not defense. bad. Yeah, you got Ozzy Albies. Have we heard? The Vaughn, right now the move is Vaughn Grissom to left, right? I think that's the plan. That's been the offseason talk. Okay. Good, because I need him. Get up to my fantasy teams. All right. Someone that needs something, uh, but the question is what, and can they actually, uh, I, I think teams have better, uh, they have as much luck as uh, getting hit by lightning uh, within it, uh, or eat better odds than always picking the wrong guy, uh, wrong team, it just doesn't work out this way. Uh, is this the time, if there's talk leading into the final parts of the year, they could be losing Otani, uh, now willing to listen on, on Mike Trout, uh, that was a conversation as the year was wrapping up. Uh, new manager, Ron Washington, hired uh, for the Los Angeles Angels. You liked that. I, I liked the Fizz over a solid guy uh, leading it. But the question, or what finally became one plus one equaling two, is how old is Ron Washington? 
uh, and and he's already openly said uh, not wanting to be part of a uh, uh, a rebuild campaign. Uh, so they've come out and openly said they're going to be aggressive. Uh, so the team that has doubled and tripled down and made colossal mistakes, you mentioned the <laughs> the big contract that's there, uh, earning $35 million a year with not even uh, uh, 35 games uh, with that, so a million bucks a game uh, at, at this rate. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels, uh, what do you make of this uh, 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 with that as far as the idea of being aggressive? This would be, to me, this is another Blake Snell. Possibility, it fits them a hundred percent. I didn't even thought of this team for them, but yeah, I, it's a. This is another. How long have we talked about Bears starting pitching? Mm-hmm. A long time, and they brought in Tyler Anderson last year. I, we kind of liked it. It didn't work. That that sucks for you. It didn't work. By the way, I see that six minutes ago, Tom Rossi reported that Sonny Gray is considered a favorite to go to the Braves. So congratulations to us. Anyways, uh, as far as as far as the Angels are concerned. Yeah, this is what happens when... Think of the massive contracts the Angels have doled out over the years. Like, Josh Hamilton got a massive one. Didn't work out. Albert Pujols got a massive one for a while, but it ages out. Anthony Rendon, and then Mike Trout. Right? Those are your huge contracts. Mike Trout, you'd say, paid it back. But the rest of them, it didn't work out. And now, I, it's so hard to figure out where this team is going ever, for the longest time, because they have no development plan at all, right? They drafted Nolan Chanel last year, and he was up in the big leagues in, like, two weeks, and he he played well. Like, he got on base. I'm not trying to knock that, but, okay. So it should get overwhelming. Yeah, you have no minor league system to speak of. We talk about developing players. This team doesn't do it. They just take their chances. Uh, they're going to pick and, something. And they have no plan no. for it. It'd be one thing to say, okay, they need to rebuild it, and here's the steps towards they're doing it. There's no plan. So, sure, you can. You, and if you hire Ron Washington, like you said, he said, I'm not coming in to rebuild. Okay, so you're winning with this roster? You're going to suddenly be a better team? Texas just won the World Series. You were just there, Ron. You watched them do it. Are you better than them? Because you're not. Seattle looks fantastic. They're going to be good for a long time. Built you're, with pitching. Yeah, you're built with a pitching and they have, like... And a spare. Like, you have a better hit. I'd take Seattle's offense over the Angels' offense, and you have better pitching, right? Especially when you're talking about an Angels' offense that isn't going to have Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani's not on this team. When Mike Trout plays, he is still a fantastic top... Excellent. 30-player in the game. 20-player in the game. Like, you're guaranteed first ball Hall of Famer. But it's not... This is not a... Weird injury gets hit in the hand. Like, that's what Byron Buxton had for a long time was weird injuries. This is usually like calves, groins, where do you trust Mike Trout to play 130 games? Because I don't. I'm surprised there isn't more talk about why isn't Mike Trout dh more. Yeah. Well, now that, that's, that's Otani's really... gone, now that Otani's gone, if Mike Trout is on this team and he doesn't DH more, there's something wrong. That is like malfeasance because you should absolutely be DHing Mike Trout more. Not that, you know, fantastic defender, too. It's but not that he's not, uh, uh, it's not on ability, it's on availability. Yes. Uh, and that's, you. number one, you want his bat more than you want his defense. Uh, and so, like, there needs to be steps there. Maybe Ron Washington is the guy to do that. We'll find out. Can he at least be common sense managing uh, within it? But I, there's just so many questions here. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... You just like okay, they're going to sign a bad contract, but who is this? Another Cody Bellinger thing? Where here's another injury-prone guy that's going to be uh, uh, 
playing 35 games for them a year within it? Is it Blake Snell? But it feels like they're going to make one of those types of moves. Blake Snell, I haven't even thought of this team, but sure, they need more pitching. They've needed it for a long time. Reed Detmers had stretches last year. He was pretty good. I don't. I mean, you're not. I don't know if I trust Reed Detmers. Patrick Sandoval has had flashes where he's been pretty good. I said I like Tyler Anderson. It didn't work out. Maybe he's better this year. Griffin Canning, Chase Silseth. I don't know if I'm trusting either of those guys. So yeah, what's another, another team? You'd like two pitchers, but is Blake Snell the team that the pitcher here that really puts you over the top? I don't know. It, it seems like a big risk, yes, but sure. Could I see them? They have money to spend. They, they, you just said Joey Otani's off the books, right? And he wasn't a huge deal, but that, that's a big contract that you don't have to pay. And you can't trust your minor league development because there is none. So, uh, yeah. They've chosen their path, so they're going to keep going down that path. I'm just, once again, worried that who's picking the groceries uh, because they come up with spoiled fruit time and time again, uh, which has led them into this predicament. Uh, and I just don't know who they're going to – how do they start getting out of this uh, at predicament? But that's a whole different issue for a different time. Uh, we're talking about uh, what's the plan, uh, right? That leads to the next team, the, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they've made moves already. They, they've done a front office overhaul. Uh, they are uh, – well, what are they? Is, is the true question now within it? This is a team that – uh, some positives, some Tristan Casas did not. Uh, there are some positives on the team itself where you're seeing things going. There's more to be done. Uh, Justin Turner was a perfect replacement for J.D. Martinez. It, it worked out well. Uh, they were right on their international signing. Uh, worked out extremely well. There are pieces here, at least on the position player side, it's the pitching where there's more of a need. Uh who do they go for? Do they spend? There's questions about spending issues before. Are they actually going to do that? What's what's the plan in Boston? And we've said that for a couple of years, too, on this team, right? Like, we like players. There's very few teams that we've talked about on this level that have a in-the-prime star. Mike Trout is a star, but he's not in his prime. Like, Rafael Devers is an in-the-prime star. There are very few that are that talented. And you mentioned Kristen Casas looked great. Yoshida came over and was fine. Now, Trevor Story, they need health. Right? You paid a huge amount of money to Trevor Story, and you've gotten – it's two years ago, right? And he's basically not played for him in two years. So you need some help out of Trevor Story. And that, that starts the offense part. But, it, yeah, we've the pitching, right? You need some help out of Chris Sale. Are you going to get it? He keeps getting – every year he's a year older. You're 34 now, going to be 35 by the time next season starts. He's also no longer you know, Cy Young Chris Sale. He's, he's good, but it's not the same. I don't trust Nick Pavetta. I know he has stretches where he was pretty good last year. I don't trust Nick Pavetta. And then it's young guys who all have shown flashes. Brian Bale has shown flashes. Cutter Crawford has shown flashes. Tanner Hulk has shown flashes. Garrett Whitlock has shown flashes. But are you trusting that? Because you've even, like, they've messed with Tanner Hulk and Garrett Whitlock so many times between you're a bullpen arm, you're a starter, you're a bullpen arm. Like, it's a Tommy John surgery waiting to happen the way they've yo-yoed those arms. So I don't. Could this team, it's another team, they should sign a Jordan Montgomery. Like, that's the 100% who this team, team should sign. Just someone that you can rely upon. Because right now, other than maybe Chris Sale, who, when he pitches, I guess, I still trust him to be pretty good, although he struggled at times last year too. I don't trust any of that. Like, I do not trust any of those guys to give me innings, which means that, that you said, it strains your bullpen. This team, 
they do have development. So this team has development. Like, they've proven they can they can develop some players. We saw even Sedan Afiel at the end of the year came up and looked okay. But I, like, do we expect the Red Sox to contend or rebuild? And that's the question here. Because you feel like they're not that far away from contending. Their offense certainly shouldn't be. But you mentioned Justin Turner. Are they going to bring him back? He's old. You can bring it back, he's still good. But if you feel like you're going to rebuild it, then what good is having Justin Turner block, you know, somebody, well, you're great, whoever you're going to say, I don't know where they're going. Are you trying to win, or are we going the other way? This isn't a team that's uh, um, been mentioned there, but uh, as far as um, not that Marcus had materialized yet, but one of our bargain uh, bin players we're going to talk about, I think there's an offensive fit for a, a DH possibility that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'll leave that for for that part of the conversation, but they need a pitching plan. They need a starting pitching plan, uh, and that puts all the other arms in place. They need at least one more veteran they can count on with all these question marks or possibilities, what roles you carve out for them. Uh, They need to at least be active for one starting pitcher, Uh, and one with more consistency than uh, than what the rest of their rotation offers. I think that's the number one thing to make the next step towards a continued development with their uh, uh, position player youth, uh, but they need one more, at least one more starting pitcher to get us there. And from what we've seen, I can't tell you the last time I remember this team signing a starting pitcher. I guess it was James Paxton. He was coming off of two major injuries, so I don't know. I mean, that was a risk. Beyond that, Chris Sale was a trade a million years ago. Those other ones, I said they've developed them, but in such a weird way where you don't know what you're getting out of Tanner Houck, Cutter Crawford. I said... At all times, all those guys have pitched well. I've seen them all pitch well, but then they flip them to the bullpen, and then you give them weird innings. So, I we'll see. Weird team. One more offseason team that's uh, seeing uh, front office change is the Marlins parted ways with the well-respected uh, uh, Kim Ong. Kim Ong and, uh, because they it, wanted to put a person above her, which yeah. is so dumb to me. You do well at your job. Uh, and the uh, response is, you know, let's get someone with more experience. Again, this seems like one of those archaic, outdated, uh, well, you don't have experience in this role, but, yeah, but she's the reason why you were making steps. Like, who was uh, outside of Texas? Was there a team at the trade deadline that did better to improve their team, and not just with short-term talent, but long-term? They made a massive trade uh, for now a cornerstone piece and Jake Berger. Am I mis- they made the playoffs, right? Am I mistaken on that? Or did they just miss out? They made the playoffs this year, correct? I believe so. I think they were the last team in, right? And then and her, her reward was, yeah, we're going to put, give a person over you who's like, like president or something they were going to call and she was going to be GM. But, I, I, you know, Kim Ong absolutely should get another job. Every team should be thinking like, okay, she saw a team with an extremely small payroll and got into the class. And you just mentioned, yeah, Jake Berger. Here's the thing about Jake Berger. Once he got there, suddenly the strikeouts like dropped substantially. And Jake Berger has... As much power as Pete Alonso type of type of power at third, so we like that. Here's what I don't understand: like, so they go in they and after they decide to mutually part ways because philosophical differences. Uh, one says you're an idiot, uh, and the other says I, I, we like the direction we want to go. You know, philosophical differences. So they go and sign one of the raised front office executives, Peter Bendix. Uh, Cool story as far as a guy who started out as an intern uh, and just worked his way up like that full like 
uh, if you felt you could do this, the, the full computer nerd element to it, but appreciated the analytics and, and coming through being talented, doing well within it, uh, and now raising up to president of baseball operations like this it made a ton of sense for him a meteoric rise uh for a guy that's not that old has come through within this and was only like a, a gm for one year uh in that level and then now has jumped to uh, uh president of baseball operations cool story that way but what i'm trying to figure out is so how does he have more experience and kim there's there's like a, a difference in belief and how the scouting department and front office should be laid out. I know that was a big part of it. There are internal politics involved, but it's not experience. Uh, uh, Peter Bendix doesn't have any experience in, in that polo role. Uh, has the same amount of, or if not less, than GM experience than what Kim had. So it's a very questionable thing. I don't know. I, as, uh, we'll see. Everyone tries to get the, the, the Tampa Bay secret sauce. Uh, within it, you have competent people within it, but again, it, it's different when you're out on your own versus being there. So, how does that come together? We'll see. Look, it's full, as far as filling in for a GM position, this is one of the better spots to be. I feel like she left that now. Now she took she was only there for a year or two, maybe it was not that long ago that she got brought in. But we've said it before. She left the cover pretty full here in Miami. Depending on how you want to look at this. They just made the playoffs. They did get swept by Philly. I looked that up. But a 25-man roster where there's cost controls and there, there's yes. uh, a years of talent to work with. And we, uh, how long yeah. have we talked about the pitching, right? Now, Alcantara's having Tommy John. We won't see him next year, which sucks. Get better, Sandy Alcantara. I have thought all year something was wrong with you because you didn't pitch particularly well after winning a Cy Young, but hopefully this will be good. But Rosado's 26. Looked fantastic at times. Cabrera. Yuri Perez is 20. Edward Cabrera, if you can learn how to throw strikes, is fantastic. You're going to get Braxton Garrett looked like a breakout last year. Trevor Rogers, and you're going to get Max Meyer back this year. He should be back. We saw, I think, three innings out of him maybe before he hit Tommy John. So, look, the cupboard is not bare here in Miami. So, if you're stepping in, there's with still more a couple offense of in which you began with, right? Yes. Because mid-season. So, Josh Bell Josh worked back. well. Uh, back. Uh, what's that? Jake Berger, Josh Bell are in. Luis Arias, was, it was a good trade. Uh, everyone benefited in that trade. Uh, so and a year out of Jazz Chisholm if he can stay healthy for five seconds. There's a core. There's a young core here. It just needs to be augmented. You're likely to lose Jorge Soler, which is your power bat, uh, and it's hard finding offense right now, but the uh, that's the biggest question. How can they add some offense to a team that, that is going to have pitching that you can work with? Uh, and, and number one, the best way to... Uh, it's not his role, but this is a Robert Stevenson spot that would make a ton of sense. They need more consistency or swing and miss in the late innings. This was a team that would have had a better win-loss record if they even had one guy who could pitch the ninth. They rotated through a whole bullpen of guys who couldn't do it uh, from uh, health uh, to ineffectiveness. Uh, they need one more bullpen arm uh, to maximize their team's potential and wins that are going to be there in the eighth and ninth inning. Yeah, as you mentioned, Robert Stevenson, we didn't put him on the bargain bin. That is, he's not Josh Hader. But there is some pretty special stuff there. I'd be interested he to see. He figured it out mid-season. Yes. Uh, I always get weary about guys that all of a sudden click in the middle. Uh, but And the cost is going up. Uh, I think the rumors of four years, 36, so nine, year, nine mil a season. But that's not top closer rate. Uh, and full swing and miss ability uh, would make a ton of sense down there. Yeah, absolutely. 
let's talk about the uh, the biggest thing we mentioned again, the likely scenario, uh, Otani to the Dodgers, right? That's And that's been the plan for the last 18 months. They didn't go all-in on players last year. Uh, they brought themselves back into a different tax bracket so they could jump back in. It, everything has felt like it's heading towards uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, and everyone has seen it and has stated as such. But what happens uh, if Otani does sign elsewhere? What is the what is the Otani plan without Otani? Because it feels like this team is not saying, well, it's either him or nothing. Uh, rumors are already there being extra aggressive in the, the trade market that they want to use their farm system again to go big game hunting. Dylan Cease is being mentioned as even potentially close to a deal. Isn't saying how close yet, but uh, there's uh, uh, statements being made to that effect by Bob Nightingale uh, yet today. Uh, uh, within that, uh, two years of control for for low low money uh, uh, for that process. He makes a ton of sense there. Uh, what is this team's aggressive plan if it doesn't involve Otani? So you can go with the offense they currently have and be fine. If they do not add Shohei Otani, you'll get Gavin Lux back. You can roll with the offense they have and be just fine. You still have Bats, Freeman, Will Smith, Muncie, Altman look great. You hope for a little bit more development out of Michael Bush. Maybe Miguel Vargas takes the step forward that we all thought. I mean, could they go, you know, bring back J.D. Martinez? Absolutely. He looks like a star for them again. So that could be something you do. But I don't think you, you know, go big game hunting. I, this team's not bringing back Cody Ballinger. Like, that's not going to happen. They don't need that. I don't think we talked in the past. Could they make a trade for you know Rafael Devers? I don't think they're going to do that this year. I think it's pitching because I guess you're going to trust Walker Buehler to be your ace coming off of a full year where he's missed with Tommy John. Julio Urias is in the wind with I believe a second domestic violence charge. So yeah, he's not coming. I don't back. think we're going to see. I don't think we're seeing him. They brought in Lance Lynn in the middle of the year. That that's gone. Uh, he's he's gone. They're not going to pay him anymore. Clayton Kershaw, who at some point. You know, could they sign him? And we're not going to see him until the middle of the season, which maybe you know, we only see him for certain innings anyways. And when he pitches, once again, I don't doubt that Clayton Kershaw is going to be a star. I'm sure he'd be just fine. But and, and you have young pitching to, to balance that. If you need to just tread water for half a season, mm-hmm. they have that available easy. Yeah. But as far as where this team gets better, it, it is pitching, right? It's pitching because I don't know if I trust Walker Buehler. I said coming off of a full year. I think it's the second time to John, if I'm not mistaken, too. Bobby Miller at times looked like a star. As a 24-year-old last year, or 23-year-old. Pepio had times. Sheehan throws 100. Dustin May should be back at some point, too. Gonsolin, he had the flex attention, I'm pretty sure. Gonsolin had Tommy John. He's out for the year. So what a couple of years ago would have been a rotation of you know, Kershaw, Gonsolin, May, like all those guys are hurt. Urias, right? Herder, not to be trusted this year. So you have plenty of young pitchers. All those young pitchers are, t- are p- plenty possible. This team, Cease. And this is one of the teams where I actually trust them to fix him a little bit and start him throwing him some strikes. We'll talk about Corbin Burns, Tyler Glass now. There are three Cy Young uh, talented level pitchers available on the trade market. Uh, where my gut, I'll say what my prediction is one of those three ends up in, uh, in, in Dodgers Blue. Uh, it feels like they're the ones that are going to be the most aggressive on the trade market to acquire uh, a top of the rotation type of pitcher, and those pitchers are available. I think they're going to make two major trades this offseason, whether that's for two pitchers, whether that's for one uh, all-world talent. We already mentioned his name once. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I think they will make two trades. They have more than enough prospects to do it. It is not 
we've, we've said it for years, for all of the uh, talk there always is about how they buy pennants, they have arguably the best development in all of baseball. They have so many players that come through that they just can't keep them all. So, and they are going to flex both arms. And you can move it, right? So you move, you move your young players, and then all those players we mentioned, Burns, Cease, Glass now, it's not like they don't have the money then to say, Here's, we'll give you five years. Don't, don't even consider going to free agency. And they will, they will lock them down, and then they will just start this all over again. That, that's how this team has been good for, I don't know, 30 years. Like, they've been good for a long time, and it doesn't show any signs of ending because they don't rebuild. They just retool from the fact that they have the farm system to keep adding stars in. And, yeah, I think this team will be active this offseason. Otani is still absolutely plan 1A, but there are plans 1B, 1C on this team, and they could pull off multiple of them. The uh, uh, there's Pedro Gomez from ESPN that was saying the thought would be uh, to uh, sign uh, Otani and trade for Trout, uh, and that isn't just meant to be like someone's uh, goofy uh, fantasy baseball uh, talk within it. This is a guy who does have sources uh, with it. Now again, I think the Angels are now going in a different direction. If they're going to be aggressive, there's no way you're aggressive uh, with losing both Otani and Trout. Uh, so I, I think the Trout thing dries up pretty quick it's still a possibility uh but but i do believe that the the dodgers are going to be involved in different ways starting pitching is where the biggest flex is going to be outside of otani uh let's talk about like and that's that's a 500 million dollar question that we started with let's talk about the guys that aren't going to get anywhere near that uh if you're looking for bargains in this crazy free agency when we're talking about seven-year deals 10-year deals uh, things where, again, I call this the off-season of future regret. Uh, I think there's been a lot of contracts signed here in, in three, four years uh, that are going to be uh, the contracts that teams have to now work around as a result. I think this is one of those off-seasons. We haven't had one in a while, so then you have uh, short-term memories that are forgetting. This is why you don't sign seven-year contracts uh, within it. But for those that are trying to navigate through this on a potential bargain, who are the best players that you would like on that list uh, give you the best bang for your buck. Why don't you start with one of these guys? I'll start with Reese Hoskins. I There was arguably no more consistent hitter in baseball for better part of four years for the Phillies. Reese Hoskins isn't going to hit he'll hit between 240 and 250 because he did it four 250, times. 250, 30 homers, 100 RBI. And it was just put it in the bank. This man can hit 30 home runs. He'd hit at least 27 in four straight years. Right? And that... And he was on pace for one of his best seasons a few years ago, and then the, and the knee flared up. But this past, I think it was the last game of spring training, or like the last week for sure of spring training, he tore his ACL, and the Phillies played the whole year, went to the championship series without him, right? But, so, I don't know if you'd want to send him to a long-term deal until you see it, but I don't doubt Reese Hoskins' power at all. I do not doubt that you can sign Reese Hoskins and plug him right in the middle of your lineup. Like, I know they have Josh Bell at first, but for the Marlins, like, Reese Hoskins is a perfect Tori Solaire replacement. And I don't, two years, 30, maybe? Something that's not like about that, right. Something like that, 15 million a year. You know, I'm a Brewers fan. I would love to see Reese Hoskins playing first base for the Brewers. They just non-tender Gaudi Telez. So, I like that. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned it right there. Mine is for, if you're looking for a another tier down for someone who's not as a complete player, he's a platoon player, but has power, uh, 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 to uh, an ample supply, uh, if healthy. Rowdy Telez, uh, go back just one year ago, uh, 
This was a guy who people thought even in fantasy baseball as deep as first base was, that you could wait, you could punt on first base, pick up someone like Rowdy Telez in the later rounds, and be just fine. This has Colorado written all over it. If he's healthy or within, that feels like a perfect fit uh, for what they, the, the players they like to accumulate. Uh, can go over their mash 30 home runs, uh, and he's going to cost far less than Reese Hoskins will. Uh, one year, five mil, uh, maybe some incentives uh, within it. Uh, if he's healthy, it doesn't feel like he's done. There's a possibility that all of a sudden that everything's gone. Uh, but for five mil, I'd pay to find out uh, for what he can do. Like, if you look at his career numbers versus right-handed pitching, and no, I don't want him versus lefties. Uh, but being a majority platoon for that or being a solid bat for the middle of your lineup uh, versus right-handed pitching, uh, this would be one, again, where Angels would make sense. If you're looking for someone to give you some power at a lower cost within it when you only have so much money to go around, that's this is the type of player that they should should gamble on. Uh, pitching. Uh, let's talk about uh, we both have some, some guys here that we like. Uh, Jack Flaherty. Uh, is an intriguing one, but uh, this feels all in the line of the James Paxson. People are going to keep spending eight to ten million bucks on this guy, hoping that they get the the year where it all comes together. Uh, it's ineffectiveness. If you think Blake Snell is frustrating to watch, uh, there's another level down you can go. Uh, and Jack Flaherty is that guy. He is like a wild. Uh, he's like the ultimate wild card because if Jack Flaherty signed with Tampa Bay. Cleveland, one of those teams where I actually trust their pitching development, yes. I would love it. That's what I'm hoping for from him. Go to a, a pitching pedigree place that is going to find a way to tweak. Like, the, the Rays are the ones, they were linked to him even in the midseason with him. I think that's uh, uh, one of his top two landing spots. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a willingness there uh, on both ends. What they did with Robert Stevenson was one half year away from like a, a, a minor yeah, league deal. Uh, uh, it. Uh, they tweaked just a little tweak. Now he's uh, he was the uh, best reliever uh, in the second half of the year. Now looking at a thirty million dollar contract. That's where Jack Flair needs to go on a one year pillow contract. Go to a place that's that's known for fixing pitchers or allowing you to get the best out of your ability to set you up for a major payday because he's not old uh, within it. Go to the right place and this could be a potential bargain. My fear is that's going to be the type of player that the Yankees will sign, and I'll have absolutely no part of that. Absolutely. Now, maybe the opposite of Jack Flaherty, whereas Jack Flaherty is the ultimate wild card. Like, Marcus Stroman, we know what he is, but he's just pretty good. I think he's just really good. He outpitches his peripherals every year. Because he gets so many, right, it's a sinker ball. He does it for years. Did he start the All-Star game? I don't remember. He was, like, pitching as well as anybody the first half. I think he had a 296 ERA, and then injuries flared up. And it wasn't the great second half, but this is a guy who has a career 365 ERA. He has not, he's had one season over the last five between Toronto and the Mets and the Cubs where his ERA was over three, and last year got up to three and a five, but over one year over three. Like, he just consistently posts low ERAs. Now, is he going to strike out a ton? No, like, he's not Blake Snell. He doesn't have that type of stuff, but if you have a decent defense behind him, like Atlanta, right? another one, like Atlanta, a decent defense behind him, He's going to post pretty good numbers, and he's going to give you innings. We just talked about Blake Snell can't get to 130 innings. He's missed 130 innings once since 2016. So you're going to get innings. You know what you're going to get. It's not going to be anything flashy. But some of these teams we talk about, like St. Louis, Marcus Stroman be their best pitcher. Right? And you've watched him. Yes. 
or how like, this would be one of those like uh, second pitcher add-ons that you're looking to do. Uh, imagine that rotation with Jordan Montgomery and Marcus Stroman. It's eons better than it is now, right? So that those are the type of these teams that just need a reliable starting pitcher. I I would be all in on Marcus Stroman, and I honestly would not be shocked if you got a better year out of Marcus Stroman than you did out Blake Snell. You're not going to strike out as many. But I might not. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't have a lower ERA because we've seen plenty of years where he's done it. When you have one more uh, from a bat standpoint uh, in in a market that's hard to find bats, we talked about this worst uh, 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 to find talent uh, within that. And Cody Bellinger looking at easy nine figures within it. Uh, there's a bat that uh, showed some health uh, this year, and uh, questions are where best to put him. But from a uh, from just a pure bat standpoint. Uh, on a team that was known for its offense, he played a key bat down the stretch towards a World Series win. Yeah, Mitch Garver won a World Series. Look, is he a catcher? He's not great at it. Is he a DH? He can be. Like, uh, There's not very many catchers that you say you want a DH, but he can do it. Last year, he played 87 games, so let's say half a season. He had 19 home runs with a 270 average. Now, the year before, he had 207, but he was hurt. The year before that, 256. Like, I think if, if you get healthy Mitch Garver, Unless you maybe only want to play in partially time at catcher. But if you told me that I got 130 games out of Mitch Garver, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get 25-plus home runs with a 260-270 average. Like, that's a competent middle-of-the-order bat that you can play at catcher. He's not great at it, but you can play him there. Thanks to durability, the, the, talk, the contract expected from his three years, $39 million. Uh, What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong. If you told me that I got 25 home runs a year, and even out of a DH, sure, he's going to be primary a DH, but... With the potential for him also being a backup catcher, yeah. uh, right? So he can be the second catcher. If you're getting 40 to 50 games from behind the plate from him, along with DH, I, I would be comfortable. Like, at this point, you're looking at him overall as, would I pay that at, at DH level? It's getting to the higher ends of it, but it, can I get a return on that contract? Yeah, at 130 games a season... You can't. Uh, and, and to me, is it the old-school equivalent of him? Mike Napoli, uh, that's ex- who also started as a catcher, uh, eventually just became the DH bat. Uh, Mitch Garver isn't quite there yet, but you have the, the ceiling of still being a backup catcher with it uh, or the floor of being a, a, an above-average DH. Like I, This seems like one of the safer risks. Like, durability is definitely there, and it's a question mark by all means. But if you're saying that the risk is three years and $40 million, I'd take that risk, especially Marlins, knowing what the yes. Marlins should all be all over that. I think Nick Nick Fortes what a great is a replacement for Soler. Yeah, he could he could he could do. I think I don't like Soler had almost a fifty home run season. He's not doing that, but he can be a power bat who can play DH Nick and not Fortes hurt you at average and not hurt you. Like that's a perfect signing for the Marlins to keep it competitive. I think it's in the 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 back of rotation arms that there's some in- intriguing ones. That part of what we talked about, you have the, the big-name guys, and there's a limited supply of that always, but when you're looking for like you're looking for that second pitcher uh, or for an add-on within it, there's some intriguing names there. Uh, you'll talk about one uh, that's uh, uh, he's had a higher ceiling. There's been injuries and durability that has brought that down, uh, but there's a market for that uh, in the previous years. But I'm going to go Seth, Seth Lugo, who's bounced between the, the reliever and starter. Uh, he's gone back to starting within it uh, and produced an under-3 ERA. Uh, he had a great end to his season. 
Uh, I don't see who isn't looking at it. You're always worried about durability when you have guys going back and forth that way, but you have a guy under three, uh, and you could potentially get him for 10 to $20 million on a one- to two-year deal. Like, I... I don't see how that isn't intriguing for anybody. And here's the thing about Seth Ugo. Whether he's been as a starter or a lead pitcher, whether he's been in New York or San Diego, he's always pitched really well. Like, no matter what he's been asked to do, he does it well. So, 100%, like, I don't know, you know, he's not going to maybe eat you a ton of innings, but 120 again, like, it's going to probably be pretty good. So, I, I agree. If you're a team that's comfortable with the five to six inning pitcher, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to produce good numbers uh, within that. So if you're getting 25 starts at five to six innings, at that price point, I'd take that. My pick is very much anti-Sefugo again. This is more of the, it's going to be the Cody Bellinger, right? Because Cody Bellinger, we saw, win an MVP, and then it fell off the cliff, and the Cubs signed a one-year deal, and it worked out. Well, Luis Severino has a 19-win season on his belt as a 24-year-old. He did that. That happened. We've known he's done that. Since then, there's been injuries, right? From 2018 till 2021, so 20, that is three seasons, he pitched 18 innings. 18 innings in three seasons. Last year, he came back for 102 innings. Uh, sorry, that was 2022, he pitched 102 innings. Last year, he came back and he pitched 89 innings with a 665 ERA. I, it's all backed up by the fact the XERA is really high, the FIP's really high. It was awful. At one time, I believe he said the word that he's the worst pitcher in baseball. I believe they asked him that, and he truly said that I'm the worst pitcher in baseball. Once again, you put him in the right system. He's shown that he's, he can do this. He is 29 years old. He's going to be 30 years old. And despite those challenges, the, the big market did not regress him. Like He did no. not shrink from it. No, he was I said early in his career, he was great. He looked fantastic. But injuries, whatever it was, he just looked bad last year. The year before, he pitched 102 innings with a 318 ERA. He fell off a cliff last year. That was the first time we've seen him pitch post an ERA anywhere really above three and a half in his career. And 30 years old, he's not washed. I don't think he's washed up. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, if I'm, I said, Cody Bellinger got a one-year $18 million prove-it deal with the Cubs. Someone is going to give Luis Severino a prove-it deal. It might work. Like, if he went to San Francisco, I'd be all over that again. There's another team that they absolutely developed pitching. But if he goes to Pittsburgh, you know, I don't know what I'll think. But I'll be interested to watch Luis Severino lands because I still think this is a really good pitcher who just, it happens, right? Luke's happened for a while. That gives us our uh, both big questions and the big market as well as bargain bin and opportunities that are there for it. Uh, next week, we'll take a look at uh, uh, trade market as we fire up the hot stove. Uh, we're only about two weeks away uh, from the GM meetings. So we'll have a chance to look at the names that are there. We highlighted some of them uh, at least a little bit here. We'll go more in-depth on the possible trade possibilities there. We're also going to take a look at, uh, we're going to have some fun playing deal or no deal. We're going to make some uh, some signings. Uh, if an agent brought this to a GM or a GM makes this uh, uh, to, a, uh, to an agent, uh, are you saying deal or no deal uh, to this possibility for improvement? So those will be uh, as we're... Uh, firing back into uh, off-season baseball and uh, back into the routine of things, uh, we'll get you all set for uh, the uh, what is going to be uh, under your tree uh, uh, for your team this year. What is the extra Thanksgiving blessing uh, that you are uh, thankful for as a fan of this team? Who's going to be benefiting that? We'll keep you uh, having fun throughout the off-season here as we get into the, uh, the peak part of the uh, development from free agency and trades, all coming up starting next week. Happy Thanksgiving.